Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Listening, hear me. I may not pass this way again. Hello and welcome to the Robert Lane Creative Careers Podcast, the podcast about creativity and making a living in the arts. This episode of the podcast features a conversation with Alex Nicholson-Evans, founder and director of Living for the Weekend. We chat about her experiences creating and running events including Birmingham Wine Weekend, Birmingham Cocktail Weekend and Birmingham Restaurant Festival. Find out more details at livingfortheweekend.co.uk. You can find out more about me and the projects I'm working on, including my music and acting endeavours, at robertlaymusic.co.uk and on social media as Robert Lane Music. It would be fantastic if you could rate, review and subscribe to the podcast, as doing that helps more people to discover it in the future. It's also very useful when I'm talking to potential new guests as it shows that people are listening. Thank you. Hi Alex, how are you? Hi Rob, I'm great, thank you. It's great to be chatting to you today. Yeah, how are you and, and where are you? Where am I talking to you from? Are you based in Birmingham still? I am still based in Birmingham, yes. You're talking to me in a little bit of a tired zone because last week we had Birmingham Wine Week. Well, Birmingham Wine Weekend officially, but we were extending this year because we were making up for lost time, rightly so. I'm guessing then that 2020, 2021 looked a little bit different to normal because of various things yeah it did indeed and we didn't want to completely give up on the festival um so for our 2020 festival we did a staycation um so we invited kind of a smaller number of people to pack their suitcases and come on what we described as a wine vacation so we partnered with staying cool at the rotunda just fantastic really chic hotel rooms um, and the wine events company and they all came over to the hotel um, and we delivered wine as it was room service and live streamed some wine tastings um, from the penthouse so we we had cheese from arch 13 as well as, as pairing so we had as much fun as we could uh, whatever Boris would allow us to do at the time Absolutely. That's great. And then how long has the Wine Weekend been happening for then? Was that the first of the festivals that you've done or was it Cocktail Weekend? No. So the very, very first one was Birmingham Cocktail Weekend, but Birmingham Wine Weekend's actually only been going since um, 2018, Mm -hmm. Um, whereas Cocktail Weekend is coming into its eighth in 2019 for Wine Weekend and then back in 2022 with the most people we've ever had, most venues, um, an entire week and over 50 uh, specially selected wines. So it was a uh, quite the week. And tell me a little bit about how all this started then with the Cocktail Weekend. Was, was it, what was the inspiration for that? And, you know. Yeah, how, well, I mean, I've, um, I've been running businesses or kind of on enterprises since I was 13 was my very first one so it's definitely in my blood my my dad was an entrepreneur and I've I've kind of always been excited about the kind of world of business I think my very first company was running local discos when I was as I said when I was 13 selling tickets for DJs I'd found on the yellow pages it probably was back then (laughs) so I've always kind of been interested in that and um it was an idea that came to me um 
when I first moved to Birmingham, actually, so when I moved to Birmingham, and it was about 10 years ago now, there was there weren't the same kind of level and and volume of publications and websites where you can find out kind of where to go, the new venues to see. Um, And there were certainly not as many pubs and bars doing really great cocktails, but there were some. And I remember really clearly being taken um, to, I think it was the Bureau Bar back then, and also to Lost and Found by a friend that had lived in Birmingham for years and thinking, wow, there's, there is some really great stuff here that I had no idea was in the city. Um, and I wonder if there are other people that have moved to Birmingham looking for things like this, cocktails, wine, great bars, um, that also kind of haven't been able to find those places yet. Mm. And that's where kind of Cocktail Weekend was born from, really. It was trying to find a way to introduce people that maybe didn't know the city so well be that because they just moved here or because they were visiting to this kind of emerging at the time but now you know very well established bar scene and kind of really creative cocktail scene awesome that's great and where were you from originally then alex just remind me before Birmingham. yeah yeah buckinghamshire so not not far from london really Cool. And what was happening? Because I met you through sort of the museum sector, actually. You were kind enough to give me some gigs at Birmingham Museum (laughs) and and Art Gallery. Um, So was the museum sector where you started on that sort of journey then? Or was it, yeah, what had happened before? Yeah, my career is a a little bit of a strange one. Um, But do you know what? what, What's normal these days, to be (laughs) honest? So I, um, unlike many others in the museum sector, so if you talk to other people in the museum sector, often they'll say that they wanted to work in museums their whole life. So they always wanted to be a curator. They always wanted to be in learning. um, They always wanted to be in conservation. Um, and they've kind of done degrees in that, you know, relevant subject. Um, But that just absolutely wasn't the case for me. So I um, was working in medical sales at the time I moved to Birmingham and I moved for a promotion. So I was um, selling spinal implants and working with surgeons in hospitals across the Midlands to kind oh, okay. of train new innovations um, in technology. So it was, it was very exciting and a completely different uh, <laughs> remit and realm. Um, but I really was looking for a, a change, actually. And um, I knew someone that worked, it was a think tank at the time. Mm. And they said, you know, you used to love working with volunteers. And it's true. I was the chair of the volunteering society when I was at university. I was the chair of the Entrepreneur- entrepreneurial society, too. Um, <laughs> if you're looking for a different a change of scene, why don't you apply for this volunteer coordinator role? And I undenied about it. It was a massive, massive pay cut. Oh, I thought, change of pace, do something a bit different. And it it really appealed to me what Birmingham Museums was trying to do at the time um, and still does. So I went for it. And the team tell me stories now of how they thought it was so strange, this person from the world of kind of private business and an enterprise applying for this volunteer role in the museum. Uh, But they took a punt on me. And, uh, and and the rest was history. And and I left the museum in October last year as commercial director. So if I if I'm not a poster child for progression in the culture sector, I don't know. I don't know who is. <laughs> oh, that's cool. The thought from that then. Do you think the fact that you were from a slightly different world was actually attractive to them in terms of employing you then? I think in that very first interview, it was challenging for them. Um, I think the team that were interviewing at the time would be the first to say to say that it wasn't kind of an uncomfortable thing. It was why is why does she want to come and be in this in this environment? Um, but certainly, for the time I was at Birmingham Museums, and then when I came into being commercial director and I was commercial development manager, was my kind of post in between those two. 
my experience from outside of the sector mm. was by absolutely the, the reason I was I was able to make a success of it. Um, it was that experience was critical. And actually, often on Twitter and things like that, people say, you know, what, what's your best advice for people wanting to get into the museum sector? And there is a lot of uh, there are a lot of people that you know come in through say front of house posts and work their way up. Yeah. Um, but I I think that the sector doesn't does does um, value skills from from outside of the culture sector. Um, so I, I don't think anyone should be afraid of taking taking other roles in other businesses. It doesn't necessarily mean you won't end up back where you kind of originally visualised yourself. Mm. So what then is is similar about those different roles that you've done then and what what's very different? What are the things that cross over or, or not? Well, I suppose in some ways, um, the introduction and working of volunteers in that charity was, you know, this is a museum um, trust, as many museums or all museums really in the UK, hugely struggling with resources. Mm. And really what I was doing in the role of the volunteer coordinator was finding amazing people in Birmingham that were willing to give their time for free to help this museum and then in my role as commercial director it was about finding the money making the money to allow the museums to continue to do those amazing things so in in some respects both roles were attempting to to tackle a resourcing issue and allow the museum's trust to kind of flourish and and do more and, and do bigger and do better so there were similarities I suppose in the output but the roles themselves were very different um and really the commercial development manager role and the commercial director role were much more suited to my skill set um but I loved my time as a volunteer coordinator I loved working with people and that was that was really really special and I tell you the volunteers that um were working for Birmingham Museums at the time were some truly truly special people so it was a bit of a it was a bit of a privilege really and then during that time was when the cocktail weekend happened precisely we loop back to that so I think probably when I was doing all the work for um as volunteer coordinator there was something at the back of my mind going Mm. there's still business ideas coming here there's still kind of that entrepreneurial flair hadn't gone away and I wasn't doing a kind of sales role anymore and I wasn't kind of having those kind of creative business ideas that wasn't Mm. the remit so I think that other bit of my brain kind of was working behind the scenes and saw this kind of gap in the market and saw this problem to solve and then created Cocktail Weekend off the back of that. So for, I mean, for eight years, I was um, working full time in the museums. And mm. I used to talk about museums by day and cocktails by night. <laughs> um, and, it, you know, it was tough, but I, I loved, loved every minute of it. Yes. And the other thing then, I guess, though, so from from selling medical supplies, I think was the way you kind of describe it, to um, encouraging people to volunteer, to encouraging people to spend money on a museum. That is all selling in a way, I guess, isn't it? And the creative element of it is is finding a way of getting people to do that, um, part with their time and their cash, both of which, for a lot of people, particularly at the moment, are yeah. are under pressure. So how how does that work? Is it a similar thing? Is the Does the creativity element come into that a lot? Well, I mean, I think you've, it's interesting the parallel, the kind of parallel you've drawn, mm. and, and I think there were definitely kind of sales elements to all of the all of the roles I've done. But they're also, I suppose, the, to the volunteer development and to the um, my role in medical sales, there are also some elements of training and development. So, 
you know, I was part of starting the development training and development program for the volunteers at Birmingham Museums. And I was training and developing nurses and surgeons in the hospitals before. So I think there are kind of some core skills that, you know, I would have, you know, some some of which I, I'd, I'd imagine I've had since those days of organising those discos, but and some that kind of came through from, from university. Um, but I guess the skill sets have said me have had me in good stead really for for all of those different roles and from a creativity perspective from the volunteer role element um I suppose really you know there was an element of creativity to how we were going to market those roles and think about how we would how we'd find those audiences but also creating different roles thinking about who who we had wanting to give their time what the trust needed um, and kind of creating a role that delivered on both of those things there's an element of creativity to that too Um, but certainly within the festivals I'm I kind of get to use that creative side of um, my personality much more so Um, and and I I certainly did in, in the commercial director role too so I think I was very pleased when I kind of progressed into that that area of work for sure. Mm. And then you say it was last year when you um, you stopped working for the museum. So was that another similar to the to working for them in the first place? That must have been a fairly big decision at that point then. To oh, it was huge, absolutely huge. And I mean, of course, we were still in the thick of well, not quite in the thick of it, but very much in the pandemic, and you know, leaving to go and pursue event production, live events in October 2021. It probably seems a bit crazy to some people. Um, I've still got a huge soft spot for the museums. And, uh, you know, Birmingham Museum and Art Gallery opens later this month, and I will most certainly be first in the queue to go and have my tea in the Edwardian tea rooms. Um, But it was just the right time. It just, as crazy as the kind of world scenario was, for me personally, it did feel like the right time. Um, and I was excited about kind of new events. And the other thing I'm doing um, alongside the events, I'm still doing some consultancy with uh, cultural clients. So although I've left Birmingham Museums, I definitely kind of feel like I've still got a, uh, a finger in the museum pie, so to speak, which is fantastic um, because I, I love the sector dearly. So, yeah, it's an, it's an exciting time, but it was it was scary. Mm. I've run businesses, as I said, all my life, but this was the first time I was saying, you know, this is the company that's going to pay, pay my mortgage. This is going to be the one for all of my other initiatives. It's either been, you know, when I've been, yeah, originally when I was 13, I was at home, my family to support me. When I set up initiatives at university, you know, I was in the middle of studying and kind of had my plan for, yeah. for that. And then for the last, as I said, last uh, eight years, I've had a uh, a full-time job so it was a big leap um but I definitely don't regret it so what would you say then to anyone who might listen and, and is sort of facing that decision of having something that is successful but they wanted to you know dedicate all their time to versus um those things that creatives don't always have regular income and knowing what they're going to get paid every month what would you say what what for you is the encouragement to to go for it I I think what you find is that there's a tipping point um mm. and there's this ability to balance both if you are willing to dedicate your personal time to an initiative 
Um, and I was willing to do that, but I was an incredibly dedicated commercial director. So mm. I wasn't working kind of nine till five and then, you know, five till nine. I was working, you know, seven in the morning, sometimes on Birmingham museums till much later at night and squeezing in the festivals around that because I loved my day job mm. as much as I loved the business. Um, and I think there came a moment where I... I had kind of a grounding of existing business and an understanding of the market where I felt I had confidence. And I had, you know, two established events that were, were well received in the city. Um, and then I just had more and more ideas that I was not able to follow through with because there was just physically not enough time. And I wasn't willing to compromise on what I was giving to Birmingham museums. So mm. it was really a decision that, that I wanted to make to make sure that the entire time I had with BMT, I was giving my best. Yeah. But at this point, it was really, a, there's something really exciting here that I'm not fully able to explore. I've got the confidence it's the right idea. I've got the track record. Now's the time. Mm. Great. And do you think that actually the pandemic made that happen quicker or, or not? I think it definitely, you know, I'm a bit of a pandemic cliche, I'm afraid. I had, you know, time to reflect when, yes. you know, the events weren't running. Um, and although I was only furloughed for a very, very short period of time, I didn't have the experience that many had. Um, I did have kind of some moments here in the garden <laughs> thinking like, what is it that I want from life? What, what's, what, what am I enjoying now in this time mm. where we kind of slowed briefly? I mean, it really was a very brief slowdown for us because we went into some major projects um, during the pandemic at Birmingham Museum. So I had a very different experience. But I did have some time where it was a reflective time. And I, I, I think definitely, yes, the answer to your question is it did. It, it, it pushed me to think about, whether that was what I, what I wanted. Was it to be an entrepreneur? Was it to develop business ideas for myself? Um, or, or was it to stay within the museum sector? And I think there was just that tip towards, actually, I really want this kind of fast-paced, exciting entrepreneurial environment. Mm. Um, and that's what I opted for. I'm sorry to interrupt the conversation at this point, but I wondered if I could ask you if you might possibly consider subscribing to the podcast, rating it, and writing a review on your favourite podcast provider. Doing these wonderful things encourages the all-powerful algorithms to push the podcast to new people. It's also helpful when I'm talking to potential future guests, as it shows the people are listening. Thank you. And so then we're going full throttle, it sounds like, with 2022, because we're actually adding a new festival into the lineup. Tell us a bit about I that one. I am indeed. I'm really excited about this one. So um, actually, later this month, we'll be revealing the dates for it. But the new festival is Birmingham Restaurant Festival. Um, and we had two false starts with it during COVID, um, unsurprisingly, perhaps. But this year we're, we're on uh, and we're all go. Um, I think one of the reasons I'm most excited about this is just the food scene in Birmingham is just so phenomenal. We've got this absolutely incredible diversity of cuisine and some extraordinary talent, too. So the idea of being able to bring together a festival that really highlights that to the UK and showcases the kind of the city's talent um, is really exciting to me. I, I'm really, really, really buzzing to get that going. Do you think that being from elsewhere helps being passionate about a city? Because I think, I don't, know. I don't know if it's a cliche, but there is a sort of feeling about Brummies, and I speak as a sort of a Brummie from Sony <laughs> Hall, but still, um, that we can be a little bit down on ourselves and a little bit down on the city. So do you think having an outside eye actually adds something into that and, and trying to encourage? And I think, I don't know if you agree, actually, but, but being involved in the arts in Birmingham over the years, there's always great things happening. 
but they sometimes feel like they're in little pools and one side of Birmingham might not know what's going on on the other side. And the one that got me, I remember, like, it's quite a long time ago now, but turning on the local news on the telly and they're like, it's Birmingham International Dance Festival today. It's like, I've never heard of Birmingham International Dance Festival. It's like, there seems to be, I don't know if other places do it better, but there has seemed to be sometimes that sort of crossover of, of everyone knowing what everyone's doing. Um, I'm asking you two questions there. Does it help to have an outside eye? And how? And am I right? Does Birmingham have a slight issue with promoting itself in that way? Well, I think... I think, you know, I, f- I mean, I feel like an adopted Brummy now is the mm. first thing. So whether or not I feel like I have an external eye, I- I'm not really sure anymore. But what I do have is an experience of coming to the city and choosing to make it my home. I mean, to use the uh, popular publication, I chose Birmingham <laughs> very literally. Um, and so I think there is something that that perhaps is a tool in my toolbox there yes of going why did I choose here what were Mm. the amazing things about the city that made me want to live here and I can reflect on it in a different way um I've got so many friends now wonderfully in the city that I've heard you know I hear from them all the time I don't necessarily feel like I have a particularly unbiased voice now I definitely am kind of like in the city full hog but perhaps in those kind of initial thinking in those initial thinking moments about what those festivals could look like and how they could deliver yeah there might have been an element of coming in fresh and going actually there's something extraordinary here how can we Mm. pull this together and celebrate it um, I mean, it's it's that's the typical thing, isn't it? That people people talk about, you know, Birmingham not shouting about itself. I mean, if there was ever going to be a year for that to change, it, it would be this year um, with you know the Commonwealth Games particularly, but also so many projects kind of coming to a close around that, um, and hopefully a lot of the roadworks too. Um, so I, I think we should all have a city that we can really be proud of, and this kind of moment uh, in time where the eyes of the world are upon us. Um, if that doesn't unite the city um, in a big way, I, I don't know what I don't know what will. But um, certainly, I think we're starting to see that already. I mean, National Geographic covered Birmingham in their uh, last issue, their hundredth issue, um, the travel edition, and Birmingham Cocktail Weekend was featured in that, which is why oh, I know great. it. It was an amazing feeling. Um, but you know, we're all, we, we, that is us on the the national radar. Um, and I think one of the things that my festivals allow us to do is. It it gives us more tools to promote the city Mm. as a whole, because I'm not promoting one bar. I'm not a I'm not an agency trying to promote one restaurant or one PR agency or even a chain of, um, of, of businesses. I'm promoting the city. I'm saying we have got enough incredible restaurants for you to come and plan a week, two weeks here to enjoy them. We've got enough incredible bars to come and enjoy this weekend. So I think they're, they're quite a, a handy tool um, in that respect for say for shouting about the city. And, and that's something I'm definitely passionate about is, is helping to change people's mindsets. That's certainly something I experienced when I first moved to Birmingham is a sense from some of my kind of London centric friends, mm. like why, why, why are you moving to Birmingham? And the perception they had of the city is simply not true. Mm. Um, and I think that's definitely been kind of a, a, a kind of founding value in the company has been showcasing the best of the city and helping or trying to change some of those things. I, t- I take great pride in taking people from London around uh-huh. um, Birmingham and showing them how wrong they are. And do you feel then that the city has changed in the time that you've been here? Uh, I mean, of course, yeah. everywhere will, but 
In, in what ways? And is it chatting about itself a bit more now? Yeah, I mean, hugely. I think it's changed hugely. I mean, particularly because I'm looking at the hospitality scene, the, the volumes of places that are open, mm. the, the kind of level of talent. Um, and yes, I think we, I think we're winning more awards. I think we're we're on the map more. Um, whether or not that's because we're shouting louder, or just because we are now so good, you cannot ignore us. Um, I'm not sure which the answer is there. Um, but certainly, I mean, the physical infrastructure around the city's changed. The way the city looks. I mean, you particularly look at somewhere like you know, paradise square i'm mm. um, standing there or going for you know i took someone literally only a couple of weeks ago we started with brunch at dishum and kind of overlooking the museum and that beautiful square and you know it's stunning it's completely it's a beautiful city and i'm sure that will be our pr shots as a city for, for many years to come that beautiful fountain and the town hall in the background um but you know that was obviously a very very different space it was a building site when i um was 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 first in the city so yeah very it's definitely changing, and I, I personally believe for the better. Although I'm, I'm sure there'll be some people that you know, miss miss some of the architecture and yeah. and, and the old ways. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, I'm interested then, compared to when you started your festivals and to now, then when you're making those contacts with restaurants, um, suppliers, and whatever, that's selling again. I guess maybe less so now because you have a track record, but certainly at the start, what were those conversations like? Were people keen to be involved straight away, or was there an element of people not really knowing why we would do it and what it was for? Oh, for sure. I mean, I remember so clearly the kind of <laughs> the really like very uh, simple decision making tool I, I, I used around whether or not to run cocktail weekend. So I set up a Twitter account because mm. Instagram wasn't a thing then. <laughs> um, I set up a Twitter account and I said to myself, if I get fifty followers, are you know, there'll be there's something in it. Something I got fifty. And, oh, if I get a hundred followers, there's something in it. And then I think I was about to change my mind to if I get 200 followers, there's something in it. And the Birmingham Mail um, dropped me an email and said, senior festival, tell us all about it. (laughs) So there was definitely, I kind of done that testing. And at that point, I was absolutely, I was brand new to the bars. But the thing about Birmingham, right, as you well know, is that the people are hugely what make it. And I was very much, I felt very welcomed by, there were some kind of key people in the hospitality trade in the bar scene at that time, um, be that brands, representatives of brands or managers of the bars or owners of the bars. But I really felt, saw the potential of this and kind of Mm. connected me into the network. Oh, let me introduce you to this person. I don't think that happens in every city. I could be wrong, but I certainly felt like there was a really, there was enough people that were passionate about what the business could do that Mm. they wanted to connect me in of course that made then setting up Birmingham Wine Weekend completely different because it was having conversations as you say with people that had you know six years of experience working with me and and or they could look at the festivals we delivered the festival we already were delivering and going oh I get what you're going to do um Birmingham Restaurant Festival I definitely have felt like it's a little bit of a kind of starting from fresh because Mm. a lot of our venues do have restaurants as well particularly the hotels Mm -hmm. and we've got some fantastic places already signed up but you know a lot of that is kind of cold calling again people I don't have relationships with yet and using those networks um but yeah people have been really receptive to it because I think like me they they see other cities around the world because it is around the world having these restaurant festivals that celebrate the food scene in that city and, and, and look at them and go like we've got way more than that we've got better than that we, we've got more diversity than that and yet we don't have something that showcases it all together so mm. I think in large people are looking at it and going 
I see, I understand, and I want in. Something that's interesting to me from a lot of the people I talk to and the different things that they do then, how much is hustle still a part of your job? And, you, you know, the cold callings and the cold emails and stuff. And, you know, even at this stage with successful festivals, is it still an element of people just don't get back to you, people aren't interested, people have pushed back? What, you know, what's the experience with that still? I mean, I, I think any time you're wanting people to part with their money you know there's an element of of sales and of relationship building um and yes I think in every sector there will always be some businesses that you know either don't want to engage or you know don't look at their emails as much or whatever and um for some people you also learn you know there are some people that I will always contact via whatsapp and won't uh, yes. contact by email. There are some people that I'll email, not hear back from, see them in the street, because that's the joy of living in the city, right? Um, and they'll go, oh, I've been meaning to fill the form out. So I'll kind of go, oh, right, so you are interested. Great, okay. And then you can kind of chase in a different way. So I think with, um, I think it's as much relationships, um, relationship building and and um, as it is kind of that pure, like this is a really great product or concept that you want to buy into, um, so it's definitely definitely an element of both that makes these things a success. That's interesting. I've definitely found that as well, that the different ways of contacting people. It's frustrating because you, I don't know about <laughs> you, but you feel like you've perfected whatever it is. I've perfected the email cold call. I've got that. <laughs> but it doesn't work for everyone. So, okay, mm-hmm. often with radio plays, oddly enough, Twitter can be quite a good one. So, you you know, that. but then for other things, Twitter doesn't work at all. So you kind of have to just do that, trying that with each person. And I've had those experiences as well. It's taken years sometimes to get a gig out of someone. And it's not because they're not interested. It's just because they haven't received the email at the right time, that they're in the right frame of mind, mm-hmm. that they're in a position to help you. And it's that persistence, isn't it? And I, I think a lot of creatives can fall down at that hurdle of they haven't responded they're not interested Mm. i'll cross them off my christmas card list you know no and it's so important that people don't do that because i mean particularly i mean every sector has been struck right by covid in some way um or most sectors um and you know hospitality is putting on a very brave face and you know Mm. we're not seeing you 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 can go and book into your favorite restaurant now um and some customers might not see any difference but they are many of them are still hugely struggling with Mm. staffing particularly so it's so important that I keep in mind and I'm sure for others too that you know the person that's answering my emails it might be the I might think I only want one thing after out of them but that it's potentially the very last thing on their list because I'm talking about an event that's months and months away and they're trying to solve the staffing problem for tomorrow, the supply chain problem for the event they've got on Saturday and then do their kind of day-to-day job. So yeah, patience is important and understanding that you're not necessarily someone else's priority and it doesn't mean that it's not something that they will want to be part of. Um, So yeah, I think I really try and be very clear on deadlines because I definitely have some of some experiences where I've got a venue or, or a partner that's really keen to come on board. Mm. Um, and and there, but there are hard deadlines when you're doing things like, mm. you know, print, for example, we do a print booklet for Birmingham Cocktail Weekend. We taste and photograph all of the signature cocktails as well. So there's these kind of key moments in the festival planning that once you've passed that, you really, you know, no matter how much you love that venue or that person, you just can't add them in. So I'm very clear with, you know, this is this is like a first deadline. This is a second deadline. But if you miss this, then that is really I can't, you know, no matter what's happened, I I can't help you and get you engaged. So 
I've always been a planner though, like my whole my whole life. I've got a I use I use um a project management software to kind of keep keep everything in line and I have kind of dates set out for every festival right at the beginning. So if someone contacts me and says, Oh, I want to be part of restaurant festival, when's the deadline to sign up? It's, I'm not thinking it up right there and then. It's like there's a very clear Gantt chart that's telling me the latest date and 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 why we can't move that. So yeah, I think being being organized is really important, particularly when you've got sectors that are under so much pressure. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. It's worth it's easy, isn't it, to think that you've got to be someone's priority, but of course you're not, particularly when things are under strain as they are at the moment. Do you think that the hospitality sector is going to come out stronger at the end of whatever the end of the pandemic is, but as we move to a, a different part of it, are things going to be better? Obviously, there's going to be a lot of places that are sadly gone. For those that are left, what do you think they've changed or what lessons have they learned? Well, I mean, it's so important. What you just said is so important that, you know, there are some that have gone. We've lost some really fabulous places in Birmingham, but obviously across across the world. Um, and it is a case, I mean, Independent Birmingham are such advocates for this, but it is a case from our perspective as customers, you know, use it or lose it is absolutely the like really depressing message. Mm. But we must, must go and spend our hard-earned money in these places that we love and so that we don't see the same for those. But do I believe the sector will recover? Well, yes, absolutely. I think it's, you know, enormously loved by society and, you know, we, we celebrate milestones in these places you know these are where we you know toast to weddings to come we celebrate birthdays we commiserate friends we mark death we, you know, all these things are through hospitality and you know these these venues are the places that we do those important things in um so I think you know so many of those hospitality businesses showed an ability to I think everyone was sick of the word pivot by the end of 2020, 2021. But they they did, you know, they did recipe boxes, they did outdoor dining, they did all those things. Um, and now they're, you know, back able to offer this, this kind of more normal service. But, you know, they are hugely still under pressure, not just from COVID, but this rising cost of living um, that we're all experiencing. So it is, it's, it's no doubt still a very challenging sector to be part of. Um, but I'm I'm certain it will still exist. And yes, absolutely, you know, adversity does often make us stronger. And and I'm sure that many managers are feeling, you know, tired, I'm sure, but, but more resilient having got through such a challenging time. Yeah, that's a good point. And similar with your festivals as well, when you weren't able to do them for two years. you I, I wondered, actually, when we we're talking about the decision to, you know, devote full time to this, whether it's like, well hopefully it can't get much worse in that two years so if we survive that do you know what I mean because there's, for me there's an element of that with acting and music and stuff it was pretty shit for a long time it's like well if we've weathered that you know hopefully anything that comes down the line we can cope with as well obviously as we mentioned a lot of people have had to had to close or leave the sector or whatever yeah. but there's hopefully there's an element of being stronger through it all yeah, I mean, fingers crossed. I think, do you know what depends what day of the week it is? If you're, if you're, a, you know, a, a restaurant that's just lost the chef and um, seeing their numbers dwindle because the cost of living's going up, probably listening to something like this, I go, oh, what, right, will I, will I be recovering from this? Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, but, sure. you know, on, on other days when, you know, really great initiatives worked or an offer's worked or, and you've got, you know, found that new team member to fill the void, I think there's, there's, um, the, the future has to be, has to be bright. Um, something sort of to cross over with events that I'm involved in as well then with the Birmingham Wine Weekend that's just happened were you concerned about numbers because there's still an element of 
um, hesitancy for people attending events, I think, a little bit, or leaving it till quite last minute to decide if they're going to attend events. And certainly in the live performance arena at the moment, I know that's a challenge because people are two days away from a show, not knowing if they're going to be able to run a show. I guess it's a little bit different with the one weekend, but was there some element of being concerned about numbers and showing who shows up? Yeah, I mean, I kept a really close eye on it, and you're so right to to observe what you did. You know, I you know I have obviously data from two years of that festival, and because I'm a data nerd and <laughs> was a commercial director, I love a spreadsheet, um, and so I, I plot kind of like the sales week by week, so I can see. And the the patterns were completely different this right. year, so there's no doubt about it. It was different. We also held off. We launched differently, so we launched in January when we would normally launch pre Christmas. Um, but the other thing we did differently is we introduced this app this year. And what that meant is in the intro- introduction of an app, people didn't have to come to me at a central location to collect a wristband and a physical guidebook. So, I mean, for us, that was about being able to extend for a week and really drastically improve the customer experience. But what it also allowed us to do was just think about kind of the ifs and buts scenarios of, of covid and, you know, if there was a scenario whereby um, we needed to manage crowds differently, well, that was our solution. You know, having an app also gives you the opportunity to use push notifications, which means that we could control or at least support people in making their own decisions about, you know, if someone was really busy. Now, as it happened, we didn't need to do that. We didn't need to use it in that way. And we saw the most um, tickets sold that we've seen over the course of the years. Um, but a big part of that was because we really invested in the experience. Um, in in developing that app, in reconsidering kind of our communication strategy and really making sure that when people returned to this live event, it was the best that it could be. Mm. Um, It wasn't going to be enough to say, oh, that event you enjoyed in 2019, it's back exactly as it was. We really wanted this to be something that people could be, you know, celebrate being back out um, and really encouraging people to go and explore either new venues or venues that they might not have been to for a while. Um, so yeah, I kept a very close eye on it. It wasn't a problem for us in the end. I mean, obviously, as an event organizer, I would always love more and more people to come. And you know, wine historically for us has just not been as popular as cocktails. But oh, we right. are not giving up on that yet. Um, I've, I, I think uh, I think we've got the right concept now. Really, I think we've really nailed the concept. And now it's about kind of developing that festival for, for the wine lovers that are kind of loyal to us every year. Oh, that's interesting then. Pick up on that then, if you wouldn't mind. Um, is that just because Cartel Weekend's older and it's been going longer? Or is it just that the crowd, is it's just different and more supportive? I don't know. I think um, I think people drink, both, drink those drinks in different ways. Um, and I think that in some ways, Cocktail Weekend can feel more um, accessible to a broader range of people. I think okay. wine has a certain element of a stigma about it. I mean, you you you, you look at things, people like um, wine freedom. They talk about cutting the crap with, you know, like wine spiels. And you look at other wine institutions in the city, like Loki and you know, Arch 13 and, and most recently Vagabonds. So they're all making real efforts to make wine feel more accessible because I think we've had a very long time of that being a you know, very male-dominated industry for one. Um, but really talking about, you know, 
things that are difficult for people that are brand new to wine. If you go to right. a, a wine tasting for the first time and you, just, you know, right, what do you get on the nose? Well, that's alone. What do you mean? What do I get on the nose? If, what do you get on the palate? Do you mean what can I taste? Like, and when people, you know, if you're first wine tasting, so do you get the leather notes of this wine? <laughs> you get the forest floor. I've seen people looking at, you know, looking, do I get forest floor on this grape juice? Like what? So, you know, I, I think, there's there's a lot more work to be done on wine and my god i'm you know one of just a, you know we're a very small company trying to trying to make wine more accessible um and we work with some phenomenal people to do that so like we our events partner is the wine events company um which is headed up by tony elvin um and you know that is something he's brilliant at you know even when he's doing a tasting for people that we've got real experts in the room if someone asks a question, he will break it down to kind of a basic principle before then kind of answering the more complex element of, of the question. Um, so I think there's there's a lot more work for us to do in making people kind of excited about wine, mm. whereas I think everyone can see a kind of glorious pink gin cocktail and go oh my god I desperately want to try that and take a photo of it and share it. But as it happens, you know, mixology or you know cocktail making and development of drinks you know that is just as complicated and the, the, the knowledge of spirits that are you know bartenders and bar and drinks development people need to have is this, you know it's just as extraordinary but to the kind of you know joe blogs in the street i think you see that kind of like you know you see a, a pina colada and you see a um a Gabby and you, you, it, 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 it there's one that, that, that feels more accessible if you don't have knowledge. Um, it shouldn't be that way. And I, I think it won't be like that forever, but I think that is a kind of core part of why cocktail weekend is uh, more popular. I think you're right though. Also there's an element of it has been around for eight years and wine weekend has had two years and a pandemic to contend with. So great. That's really interesting. Um, I would imagine a rather nice part of your work is going and experiencing some of these places that might get involved in the festival. And so how important is that to you? If somewhere new pops up, are you straight down there seeing what they're about? Yeah, I mean, I love I love to see the hospitality scene expand and develop. So, you know, fair, I've got some lovely contacts in the industry and I'm very lucky to be invited to a lot of the kind of launch events and things like that. And I you know, never take those for granted actually it's it's always a real pleasure to see see a venue when it, they're just opening um but certainly if someone if a venue wants to be part of cocktail weekend and they are new there is um, a selection process it's it's we talk about hand picking our venues mm -hmm. so i will go and visit that venue and we're kind of looking for um of course an interesting and innovative cocktail menu and a passion about that element of work but also really good customer service because you're going to have to deal with thousands of people over this weekend and a nice ambiance those are kind of like our three you know literally ability and innovation mm. ambiance customer service they're kind of the pillars of what we look for for a new venue um so yes it's important that i visit the venues and, and you'll never see a venue in, the, in any of our lineups that i haven't experienced um which is yeah complete pleasure um mm -hmm. But but can be a challenge too, you know, fitting it all in and 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 trying to fit in the gym as well. So I don't just <laughs> all I do is drink and eat. If not, you know, I've got to be careful on that. <laughs> yeah, and to live as well around it's like all of these things that we do that we're passionate about them. It's still, you know, 
as creators, I think we're more interesting if we have other things in our lives that we think about as well. So, you know, you don't want to only be focused on the work, but you said there's only so many days in the week, isn't there? Yeah. And I mean, like I've got an allotment during um, the pandemic okay. and I'm like becoming a right nerd about my leeks and my onions. So, yeah, I've got to get time to go down to the <laughs> allotment. So are we, are we going to be seeing Birmingham vegetables? Birmingham okay. vegetable week. <laughs> you know. Oh, God, I'm going to have to write it down. <laughs> Oh, that's great. If people want to find out more then, so we just had the um, Birmingham Wine Weekend. Cocktail Weekend is in the summer? Yeah, 8th to the 10th of July and okay. then Restaurant Festival. It's a watch this space, but um, also back end of the summer, so not not far off. So the best thing to do is if one of those takes their interest, head over to the website. They'll find all our kind of social media channels and that each one of those festivals has um, a su- subscription. You can sign up to uh, get kind of free updates from us, just news updates to be the first to know who's you know when tickets are going on sale. But Cocktail Weekend tickets are on sale already um, and Restaurant Festival won't work in that way, so it'll be free for the customer to to get involved with it'll oh, just great. be a matter of coming back onto the website seeing what each venue is putting on and, and booking on and booking directly to kind of experience that menu or go to that event lovely and the umbrella company is living for the weekend it is indeed so um living for the weekend.co.uk is our kind of just umbrella website and on that page there are the links to each of the three festivals so that might be a, a good one to signpost people to great and you, you may not want to say i suppose but apart from Veg- Birmingham Vegetable Weekend, are there, are there other ideas kind of in that forming stage at the moment for future stuff? Oh, completely. Constantly, constantly. And of course, part of the challenge is picking out the good ones in there. I've got a feeling Birmingham Vegetable Week might go on my <laughs> shelved list. But <laughs> you never know. You never know. <laughs> Monday could be potato day. <laughs> oh, yeah. So Get I your think, local um, growers in. That'd be good. Yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely a, a lot of ideas buzzing around in my head. But, you know, priority this year is delivering those two festivals to the standards that um that we want to bringing people back out to enjoy them and then launching launching our third one that's awesome alex thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me i found that really interesting and all success with all of those events and um yeah i think there'll be people listening in who might want to give those a, a go because again we it's interesting you hear about festivals you're kind of aware of them but you don't necessarily think about the fact that there's someone behind it who's that stupid thing to say i don't know they're just a thing aren't they they're just an event but they're you know there's people who are passionate and making this stuff happen and as you say it's important we support stuff i think for sure there's always someone whose heart and soul has gone into it but almost always there's a full team and you know i couldn't do what i do without some of the amazing um people that i work with and it might just be me behind the business but i couldn't do it without you know like our marketing um people our web development people our, our pr agency people that build the app for us there's a lot of people behind the magic for sure great thank you so much alex no worries like great chat thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed that join us next time on the robert lane creative careers podcast until then please subscribe rate and review and have a look at robertlanemusic.co.uk to see the other projects i'm working thank you goodbye